Hi, my name is Travis Erridge and this is Uncommon. Uncommon and Uncommon Clips are produced by Narelle, a unique digital agency. Head to narelle.com to learn more. That's N-E-U-R-A-L-L-E.com. And it's, it's funny, you say the exact same thing that the, we had these guys, Saucy.co, they're sort of the preeminent company at um, when it comes to sort of e-commerce product sourcing, whether it's components and parts, uh, product R&D, um, supply chain sort of setup. Um, they're at sort of the front end of what you guys eventually do. Obviously, you're at the bigger end of supply chains and they're at that sort of R&D initial stage. So they'll yeah. get a lot of brands like yourself, like, you know, the Kmarts of the world who reach out to prototype a product and they're at that sort of testing stage. And I was speaking to them about the fact, you know, where their business is and where yours is. I think it's so funny that you both come in weeks apart. Like they were literally in last right. week, you know, uh, they've had massive growth like yourself in the last year, I'd say. So I think there was the acquisition, which we can touch on later. Employees at 150, you've got 11 to 12 different service lines, distribution design, distribution center design, network and design strategy, freight optimization, warehouses, offshore supply chain, land acquisition, portfolio. Like There's just so much there. And we're at a really pivotal moment for Australia in terms of where supply chains are heading just because of what has happened during for COVID. Sure. Yeah. There's the usual chatter about people saying, oh, we've got to move away from China, we've got to focus on this country. And I found it really illuminating during their conversation where they said the reality is that things will probably continue largely as they are in terms of uh, raw goods. You know, like you, you can only go to China for electronics, batteries and certain plastics. It's just not going to change. Yeah. And you can get some components from India and so forth, and I, that's that's totally fine. But what has changed is that supply chain innovation, which is where you guys are at. And I think you spoke about in an interview about this hub-and-spoke model, which the big, the majors have sort of cottoned on to, I think, in the last couple of years. For sure, yeah. So I, I was curious from your perspective, what are the sort of key headwinds and tailwinds for e-commerce plus supply chains in the next five years, say? Yeah, I think we, we've sort of caused a, a bit of it ourselves. So, you know, Australia and, and what we've also been doing, we've really focused in on leaning out supply chains so that you can buy a T-shirt at, at Kmart for a dollar, you know, like, yeah. and, and how the hell do you get a T-shirt for a dollar? Well, you cut money out of every part of the of the process, but yeah. you lean it out. So you you have a resource that's expensive touching it once, and yeah. that's at the store. And and you know you you're really thinking about how you deliver it. Whereas I guess e-commerce requires something totally different to that. So we've, we've gone from this really lean out supply chain to now needing flexible supply chains that have inventory at every location that someone needs it. Uh, so the consumer has changed and that's that's causing massive disruption on supply chains. And then you look at, okay, well, where are we focused? Well, everyone went and focused in on China and went and put all their manufacturing in China, raw products in China, set up distribution networks out of southern China to come into Australia, um, did it by state, regionalised it. So we did all of those things 
And now we go, okay, well, we need product when we need it, but there's a five-month lead time to get that T-shirt from Bangladesh through China back out. And the consumer doesn't like red anymore. They were like green. It's just changed over the last you know, few seconds. So we're, we're now, we, we talk about the lean supply chain becoming the agile supply chain. And, and, and you don't just go and throw away all the things that you've worked on over the last 10 years, but you are going to have to think a little bit differently. Um, you know, and COVID then supersized it. You know, COVID accelerated five or six years worth of growth into yeah. three or four months um, and yes people like people like Kmart who's a, who's a client of ours just we were halfway through their next generation got stopped yeah. and said right now work on these sort of parameters do, do you worry that that's a potential mis- like short-sighted mistake though because yeah I, I get what you're saying so basically it sounds like the opportunity cost of not having as much stock there stored in a warehouse is grew massively during COVID because of what happened to global supply chains. Yeah. But do you worry at all that if things sort of start to turn back to normal that uh, people have then completely changed their designs, their entire setup for something that may only be a short-term occurrence? Or do you think it is always going to be in our generation's head for the next couple of decades? Yeah, I think, I think, I think we're forever changed. Not to the level that, that COVID took us to, but I think the consumer has changed. So the consumer now wants it however the hell they can get it, right? And right. so, so and they're more demanding than ever. You know, back in the day, the retailer determined what the consumer got and when they got it. Now the consumer, if you haven't got it, where I need it, how I need it, I'm going somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. And, and then that was already coming. I mean, if you looked at JD.com in, in China, they, they could deliver anywhere in the world in 48 hours. Yeah. So, so you imagine, and then you go to, I won't say a name because they might be a client, but you go to such and such and buy a slab of beer online yeah. and it takes seven days to get to your house. You sort of go, how's that good customer service? So yeah. I think we demand a lot more. Same day, next day is is now necessary. Like if you bought, we, we're doing work with a well-known shoe manufacturer and clothing manufacturer and we actually bought a product from them and then showed them how long it took to get to Australia and it went via the US, you know, and, and sort of said, here's the number one issue. If I'm waiting for a top-end shoe, you know, two weeks to get a product, I'm more than likely going to say, if it's going to take that long, I'll go down and pay extra to go and buy it off a shelf somewhere. Yeah, yeah. So, so you got to, in a way, the, the hardest part now is identifying what is... Um What's the choke point in the funnel? Because what you're saying reminds me of, so this week, every month we'll go down and visit my uh, parents-in-law. Uh, we, they live down in Martha Cove. Right. And uh, it's my father-in-law's 70th birthday this weekend, and we got him, like, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of July Luggage, but it's sort of a newer roller company, very well designed. They've got inbuilt charges, et cetera. All right. And they're a very strong e-commerce business where they own a lot of their supply chain and manufacturing. Yeah. But they, a lot of the last mile stuff that you were just talking about, they own. So the biggest one that I didn't even think about until they told us the delivery time was monogramming. So we wanted letters monogrammed on the case. Now, the right. case and the color, they're going to have in any warehouse yeah. like it's pretty easy but getting that monogram if it was back in china versus here would extend that wait time out by weeks yeah so that that's sort of the stuff that i think you're 
Well, I think I think that's where we would go. So we go we are going to this really lean supply chain where you manufacture, you do any value adds offshore at the cheaper value add point, yeah, uh, and then you bring it into Australia ready to go, and it's literally like a flow through in Australia. So you're yeah. trying to get a highly unionised, um, you know, expensive person in a warehouse to touch as little as you can, yeah. and try and get it to the store level as quickly as you can, yeah, um, and so. That doesn't work with e-commerce. You know, you're trying to pick yeah. through to find the pink one or the green one or whatever, um, and they're not—they're just not built for it. So, it, it is putting huge pressure. No one's got the right answer yet. And and then you say, well, is it just a—is it just a blip on the, on the on the process? And will we just go straight back to lean supply chain? And no, I don't think so. I think yeah. you know the consumers changed. My mother, I think I've said it a few times now, got a PayPal. Account and she's yeah, seventy-two. Yeah. That that should scare the hell out of everyone. That yeah, you know, she's just sitting there ordering. And I think retail becomes more an experience than a than a a transaction. So the retail end will be more, you know, come and touch and feel and do yeah. stuff. Yeah, and saying that guarantees those margins. And I think last yeah. mile is a key component of that, which will change supply chains a lot. Like I said, with that case, it's now it should arrive today. Actually, I yeah. couldn't believe it. We ordered it Friday. Um, it's funny because we actually interviewed the CMO of um, July Luggage last All week, right. <laughs> who, who's, who's a good friend. She sort of joined in on this new series where we interviewed marketers right. at, at disruptive brands, and um, we hit her up, and like she's like, yeah, it'll be done Wednesday. I'm like, <laughs> Jesus, like, this is just <laughs> ridiculous. But a lot of people, like you said, like alcohol is still one of those areas, and the only options you've got are unfortunately these Uber Eats type services, which add so much margin that it almost makes it untenable and not worthwhile and you prefer to just not buy it. Yeah. And that's the customer experience. So, Yeah, um, I but it, it also extends, like you talk about them owning the supply chain. We, we talk about our customers having their product thrown across the fence. When, you know, like when the, when the Australia Post guy comes, he just throws it in, in, you know, that is actually an extension of the company. So we saw, we already saw it in the UK beforehand where people were controlling their supply chain the last mile, would come and install it or would come and deliver it and make sure it's correct, right, mm. because that's your only touch point with that retailer is the, is the driver. Yeah. So, you know, we, we are seeing a, a whole changing of, of what's acceptable practice and, and I think what we're seeing at the moment is just mad rush, get shit out. Yeah. Um, it's not what we're going to see. We're going to see a, a, a touch point and consumer, uh, a better consumer experience. Yeah, better, better service. I think yeah. in that particular component, um, that's going to be very interesting because my partner and I are obsessed with, are fascinated by Japan. I don't yeah. know why. It's right. just like we got interested in the food. We went on a holiday there and we've now been there three, four times. And their service experience is unbelievable, particularly mail delivery. Yeah. Like packages is like ridiculous. They're, they're so professional. And you would never experience something like that with people tossing packages. Yeah. So um, that, that'll be very interesting over the next couple of years. Yeah. 